Lewis hits 100 pole positions, wins the race, has one of the strongest starts to a season ever. Is this already game over for what was going to be, or hopefully still is going to be, one of the best seasons ever? Join us as we talk about Portimao briefly and Catalonia. Um, first of all, I just want to apologise that uh, we did miss last week. We've all been busy. We've all been swamped. I've had ton of interviews. Jake's been working and Keith's been working as well. So do bear with us. But we are back. And lads, how are we? It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a while. And thanks, everyone, for bearing with us as we got our stuff up together. Um, we've had a couple of good races. And... To answer the question from the start, I don't think it's game over. It's early season. We've still got a lot of time. Um, Portimao and Spain weren't as exciting as the first two races, but they weren't bad, especially Spain. I mean, I usually dread Catalonia. It's usually the most boring race ever. And actually, it wasn't too bad. Uh, and on the whole, I've been good. We've had some other good motorsport, the six hours of Spa, some IndyCar. I still need to catch up on Formula E, but I know Keith's going to touch on that later. But yeah, all good. I'm good also, uh, hopefully going to be making some Transformers costumes soon, but there's one bot which trans which transcends all of them, and that is the dreaded Hamverbot. We are getting completely inundated with Hamverbot this year. That's three out of four. Hopefully it won't be four out of five. Let's see if it's going to be a little different at Monaco. Yeah. Um, so first of all, just want to touch on Portimao because we did um, skip on that one. So I think the, the highlight from that one is... Lewis getting a hundred pole positions, which um, just to um, quote Seb from last year, you know, he is creating history. You know, we are all witnessing history in the making. Um, you know, someone like me, I missed out on Schumacher completely. You know, I got Schumacher when he was at Merck, but that was far, far beyond when he was, you know, smashing, um, you know, the, the, the F1 world um but guys what is the importance of this and do we think that it will ever be matched or you know and and the thing is is we still got a season to go so lewis is just going to be adding more and more onto it anyway so i mean it felt like this 100 pole position was going to be a bit of a, a tough one for lewis because I, I believe that's his first pole of the season no he did get a pole in Imola as well didn't yeah. he but you kind of had that feeling that maybe he was going to become that thing like get your first point um george russell but um I, you know these big milestones are always important and you never really take them in until years later you know that's when it really soaks in i'm still amazed it's even happened you know, that the records were matched in terms of championships and beaten in terms of every, everything else. You know, with Schumacher at that time, you just felt it was never going to end. And I can, I'm sure, you know, Red Bull and all the other teams are feeling a bit the same with Lewis and Merck. They're just thinking like, this is never going to end. And I, I really, I do sympathize with that. But I think you have to stop and really, um, you know, take a lot of, well, you've got to give a lot of respect to this achievement. It's incredible, really. Um, to think 100 pole positions, it's such an insane number. Will it ever be beaten? I mean, I always think records are there to be beaten. In any other sport, you feel like that's going to happen. But I I mean, I'm being a bit neggy now, but I feel like Formula One might be on a bit of a, you know, a, a, a fixed timeline. And anyway, I think I almost feel like Formula One won't be a thing before anyone gets a chance to, to break this record. Uh, maybe that's a really mad thing to say on an F1 podcast, but I, I don't know if it'll ever be beaten. I mean, you can never say never, right? After Schumacher, you thought, well, that's never going to happen. It's so rare to have a, a driver stay at the top of their game for that long. I mean, look at Seb. 
even look at Alonso, right? They to, to have someone that is just on the top of their game. And every year you think Hamilton's reached his peak. The next season, he impresses you even more. And, you know, his career isn't perfect. He's had blips, got beaten by Rosberg. He got beaten by Button. Um, he, um, you know, he had some seasons where he really was off the pace or really didn't look all there. But on the whole, he's been always there. He's always been a threat. And he's just that it's that combination, isn't it? It's like the Schumacher Ferrari combination. Schumacher was a fantastic driver. He proved that at Benetton. But as soon as he went to Ferrari, something clicked. And again, this Lewis Merck combo is killer. I mean, you don't have Lewis in that car this year. And you've got Bottas. And I think Russell would give a good money. But Max is walking this season. I think it's Lewis that's making it a fight with Merck as well. You know, we'll, we'll come on to the strategy in Spain. I am digressing, but really, I just want to, you know, this is a big achievement for a driver. I'm very impressed. Will it be beaten? If the sport survives long enough, then all records are there to be beaten, but it's hard to see past it ever being topped, isn't it? Well, here's a quick quiz question. Max Verstappen has had 123 race entries, and we consider him to be, you know, the equal to Lewis in terms of just being... Nope. being able to you... rag a car. How many pole positions has Max Verstappen had? Yeah, like sorry, five I saw a little drop out then. I'll be back. It's yeah. uh, it's oh, four. Yeah. Four. Wow. wow. Okay. Um, so which is four? Yeah, four uh, pole positions in a car that most people would consider to be pretty decent. Uh, and for Max, has got fantastic Saturday pace. Now that is just the difference between having Lewis in a car against you know, and in the best car. Let's be fair. For many yeah. a year, uh, yeah. he. But he does what you need to do, which is he puts it on the front row. It's the same as Schumacher. He just had this uncanny ability to put together that final lap. And I remember many a time watching qualifying when Schumacher was in his pomp and, you know, Hacken would be ahead of him, Coulthard would be ahead of him. Somebody would just be looking like they were going to take it. But then Schumacher would just put it all together on the final lap. Same with Lewis. He just manages to put it together. And, you know, there's weekends where you'll say, oh, Lewis... Uh, Max is looking faster, Valtteri's looking faster, but Lewis will put it on pole and he'll get it to number one at the chequered flag. Uh, it's, you know, what would it say? You know, so 96, pole, no, Max is 96 poles behind him. That's unbelievable. I mean, if you think in just pure seasons alone, that's the thick end of five seasons. Yeah. Am I right? It's my, yeah. It's a thick yeah. end of five seasons of getting pole at every single <laughs> race in the calendar or four. Now we're Madness, getting nearer that. It? It's about four and a half seasons. I say, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it would take that sort of level of dominance with Max always having the subservient number two, which he seems to have now in his pocket. But, you know, it depends. Maybe if the regs next year, the thing is that it seems so un- inconceivable. But yeah, if you if they come out the gate next season, Red Bull and then miles ahead, and then Merck have enough and they pull out, and then you know it, this, that, and the other, it could happen, I suppose. But yeah, I think it, the fact that Lewis came in at such a young age and then managed to, you know, he, he was in a, he nearly won the title in his first season. He didn't have that usual route of, you know, Max had to come in and have a couple of seasons at Toro Rosso. I will caveat though, though, that there will never be another driver like Lewis because you're not allowed to test like you used to. You know, when Lewis came in, Ron Dennis has had him pelting rounds wherever they would have gone, uh, you know, test tracks all over the world in the previous year's car going around and around to getting, you know, he did he, it was something like 28,000 kilometers or something. You might know Keith, but it was something insane. It was a, a huge number of miles. So that, you know, Lewis was really ready. Max it didn't was, get yeah, to do it that. It was back in the day when you could yeah. thoroughly test uh, yeah. young drivers before you, 
you know committed one way or the other i know that you know i think jensen had like a five day uh five day audition or something along those lines when he drove for williams uh i can't remember the name of the young brazilian who beat out uh but i can i want to say panitzi but i'm probably wrong can i see somebody getting 50 poles sure that can happen a hundred i mean you'd have to be i mean People give Lewis credit for how fast he's short, but he also has made the correct career decision every time. He's gone from winning car to winning car. And how many people are going to be in a position in their career where they go, okay, you have got a car which you can put on pole every season that you race? Very, very few that can say that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he's had a win in every season he's been in. And that says two things. It says, one, that that's amazing that he's had that ability to do that and to adapt to different cars. But it does also say, too, that he has always been in a car that's capable. You know, you've got to be in uh, some machine that's not. It's very rare. You know, what springs to mind, you know, Seb Vettel in the Toro Rosso, but it was pouring wet and it was a Red Bull B car. But that was a phenomenal achievement. Um, it's very rare you get a pole position from anything that isn't, you know, one of the quicker cars. Even think now, I mean, when was the last time we had a B-class car and pole? I mean, we, we haven't had anything but Merck, Red Bull and Ferrari in the last, what, since Williams in 2014? Well, you had no, Lance Stroll. Stroll last year. Yes. Okay. So there we go. So it is an anomaly. I Even was so that was a Merc. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. it was just the previous seasons. Um, um, but, but, yeah, but just on that, with with Lewis's career, I don't think we've ever had a rookie which has gone into a championship winning car. A, sorry, a championship capable winning car in their rookie season like i think that's the bit which is always because because let's not forget lewis missed out on 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 that 2007 championship by a point and that was because mercedes was sorry and that was because the team mclaren couldn't work out whether they wanted to fully back him fully back alonso there was all of the spy stuff happening as well China with the tyres, and then Brazil with the gearbox failure. It should have been a walk in the park for them, two thousand and seven. It, like it Lewis really should have, should have. and and you know, and that would have been history. You know, what rookie on their first ever season then wins wins the championship? You know, um, but anyway, um, just to, to just to move this one along, um, what do we feel is Lewis's like all time number one pole? Mine is going to be in Singapore, two thousand eighteen. I think was it eighteen? Yeah, eighteen. Um, where you know they just weren't on the pace, and and um, if you watch the pre-race show on Sky One, they did um, uh, Lewis and Martin Brundle did a uh, what's called a pole position um, masterclass, and Lewis says straight up like that is his number one pole. Um, and you watch it again, you watch them as they're talking through it, and you're like, one Singapore, I miss that circuit. I just miss just how it looks um, on screen, but secondly he just hits it every single time on every single corner it's it's phenomenal it's a mad lap i'm going to take us back quickly Jacques villeneuve he had a championship winning car in his rookie season um but anyway going back um but yeah i had to that i really had to wrap my brains for that um yeah that that pole lap in 2018 is just absolutely phenomenal uh i remember watching that on tv and it's like you said that's one where merc weren't at the weren't at the races for want of a better phrase um they weren't on the pace they were off all weekend and then just out of nowhere that lap came and it's one of those first lapping q3 laps where you go well nothing's going to beat that and it's almost like disbelief down the pit lane where people were just like, i can't believe that lap is even possible um other favourites, I think for me, um, 
2014, he had a couple of pole positions that were pretty phenomenal where he wouldn't have the pace and he'd pull it out. Uh, it was always against Nico. Let's, to be fair, it wasn't against anyone else. Uh, Spain stands out there because Nico was on top the entire session and just the last lap of quality, Lewis just found a tenth and a half out of nothing. And the other one was Singapore in 2014, where he actually locked up into the first corner and then got pulled by seven thousandths. So he, he just absolutely case, uh, came the rest of the lap. That was pretty good. Um, I mean, he's had a lot of good pole positions. He's had a lot in, in the wet as well. Those Monza ones stick out. Styria last year. Um, his first one in Silverstone was pretty special. Um, I mean, the one I remember, the, the one I remember most fondly from being there was 2013. I remember just that, you know, that car wasn't the quickest that year. Saying that Merck were good in quality, but it still was a really, you know, exceptional lap. Um, he always, you know, ups his game in Silverstone. But yeah, I can't see beyond Singapore 2018. Okay. Yep, I, I can only uh, echo their sentiments. I don't have as great a memory for qualifying as you guys do. Uh, I tend to remember races more than quality. But yeah, that 2018 sticks out. That was something special. So um, on to news. Um, so we're gonna. So we've got three. Um, so the hypercar class has uh, got himself into some controversy already because the LMP2 cars um, were quicker and they had to be slowed down. Um, which is a weird one. Um, so do, do, do we think that maybe it's just that the teams haven't quite worked out what the best setup and what the best sort of way to extract um, the lap times and the overall performance of the car is yet? Or is it just that these regs are just so vastly d d different to what was the LMP1 class that you know, it has slowed this class, you know, overall, it is just a, sl a slower car. I think, again, it's in its early stage, isn't it? It's mm. race one. If you think back to 2014, when the hybrid era came in, I mean, the, the F2 cars were close to as quick as the F1 cars. And even the LMP1 cars were getting very close to F1 times on the tracks they shared. So I think the hypercar class will pick up. But I still think it's a bit of a wasted opportunity, that class. I mean, you look at that Toyota, you don't go, oh, that's a road car. You go, no, that's an LMP1 it's car. An LMP1 I just think car, it's a wasted yeah. opportunity, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people disagreed with me. I put that comment out online. And I think that's just fair enough. There's some really good points. You know, I was saying I want to see more like the Porsche 911 GT1 and other cars like that. And people were saying, well, that's a kind of a different class. That's a different thing. And the Toyota, what was it? T150, whatever it is. Well, there is a road going version. Like, like that's fine. Sweeping... But to me, yeah, yeah. but... For me, I don't. I mean, it's bringing more manufacturers in, so it's done something right. But to me, that just looks like an LMP1 car. It feels like a bit of a waste. Um, and the LMP2 cars had to be slowed down. A lot of people giving Toyota flack for that, but like again, I think it's the regs just are not all there. When you watch the the race as well, the car was a bit all over the place. It was struggling a little bit. It did not look balanced. It looked a bit unstable. But let's see. I mean, the fact it's bringing in new manufacturers is a good thing for me. But slowing down lmp1 for me was such a fantastic class those cars were phenomenal and it's just a shame to see they're gone and we've sort of got this i don't know what really <laughs> it's just there well like my issue with this whole lmp1 uh, class is the way it was sold or the way it was originally explained to me you know when it first got announced is you know it was in that era when we had the McLaren P1, the LaFerrari, the 918 Spider, and it was okay what if we just made a race version of these you know just the bleeding tech of what a road car could do 
And I was like, oh, great. I'm all for that. I'm up for seeing, you know, a full on, you know, race stripped out version of a, you know, a LaFerrari or, or, or even a P1. But it's turned into just sort of this neutered version of LMP1, I feel. And I know GR Toyota have said that they will make um, the hypercar, you know, an actual road version of it at some point. But it's like, well, shouldn't you have already made the road version of it before making the race version? Like, to me, it just seems to be the sort of wrong way around. And I was, again, just hoping, you know, as, as we spoke about in, part, in previous podcasts, you know, we've had the great GR um, Toyota Yaris now come out, which was based off of the, you know, what was going to be um, the actual world and rally car. So to me, it's like, okay, why why hasn't that sort of approach been taken with this hypercar class? Because that's what it was sold as. That's what it was explained as. And it's just, as I said, it just turned into this neutered version of LMP1. So I'm actually really confused. And a bit as well, and a bit disappointed. Yeah, but same. I think once there's lots of manufacturers in there, I think it'll be good. Um, I just feel like, yeah, it was a bit of a waste of chance. And I, I agree with you what you were saying about the sort of those that hypercar era. You thought it'd be that sort of thing. I mean, I was always going to be. I was always sad to see LMP1 go. I, I didn't want mm-hmm. the, that class to disappear, but I understood that it wasn't, you know, sustainable. It was getting to sort of almost F1 levels in terms of the tech and everything. So. Um, Let's give it a chance to bloom, but it wasn't the most promising start, shall we say. Oh, Keith, you any? Uh, I have to admit, when it comes to WEC, I'm a bit of an amateur. And uh, <laughs> when, you know, when looking at the hypercar entries, it doesn't, I mean, beyond the driving talent, it doesn't fill you with a sort of warm sense of this is, like you say, the bleeding edge of... Uh, mm where these cars can go. I mean, I remember when we went to go and see uh, WEC at Silverstone and it was a great weekend. Uh, you know, the LM, there was no doubt the LMP1 were the stars. Uh, and without that, you know, can hypercar replace that? Remains to be seen. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Formula E, I haven't, I've only watched one race this year. Um, so if you two want to take this one away. <laughs> I started it up today. I watched the um the kind of build up well not all of it the you know this is the grid and the first two laps so keith take it away i haven't watched it spoil it for me uh well, did you not know the winner yeah i did i saw that so don't worry okay right fine uh i think is not a terrible circuit I mean, for years we've all, you know, the, the pure. Oh, Keith, are you there? Or they, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, cutting you keep out. On... Why don't you? Why don't we? We'll cut this bit out, Keith. Why don't you answer from the start now? Sorry, your your signal was just going up and down. Okay, I don't know why. Sorry. Uh, That's right. Okay, three, two, one. I think the worst thing that formula e did this weekend is proves that monaco by default is not a boring circuit because most formula one purists will either lament the fact that we keep going there because the cars are unsuited for it and it's just a procession and it's all just a billionaire's playground and it's terrible racing or they'll harp on about tradition and how it's absolutely necessary that we always go back and it's the lifeblood of f1 and i sit somewhere in the middle of the two i like the fact that it exists but i you know i accept that the racing's not that good However, the Formula E this weekend was excellent, and it's 
just simply because the cars are that much smaller. You can mm. overtake, you can go to abreast and to the hairpin. It was amazing to see cars actually attack each other on this circuit. And for the lead as well, I mean, obviously, you know, Formula E has this inherent nature of the midfield constantly shuffling because of going through, you know, driver boosts and power zones and things of that nature. It's a very gimmicky video game stuff. But at, at the front, there was some fantastic racing and Da Costa and Freins and uh, Mitch Evans absolutely took it to each other all the way up until the very end, so the final half of the lap. It was just really, really excellent to watch. And I'm struggling because even my wife has said to me, you're making time for Formula E. You know, you used to <laughs> make jokes about it, but now you're sort of like, oh, we need to get home. The, the Formula E starts soon. So they're really getting their act together this year. I know that you know, obviously there was a big controversy with Valencia and the absolute farce of all of the cars sort of yeah. running out of battery. And that was a bad look for the sport. And this, I think, was a really good tonic. It was a real shot in the arm to say, you know, yes, there are teething problems. Well, teething, it's been around seven years. You know, yes, there are problems. But when we get it right, we get it very right. So, yeah, hopefully they keep the, this momentum going and the, and the championship remains exciting. I need to, yeah, so I, I don't watch Formula E, but I did watch that uh, highlight bit of them losing power on, on that last race. I was like, what is going on? Um, but I anyway. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I just, it was, I felt embarrassed for the sport in that moment. Uh, and that's a real shame. I didn't feel bad for that. Like, oh, my favorite driver didn't win because I don't really have a dog in the fight. But I absolutely felt bad for the teams and drivers there who had to sort of, explain what had happened which was yeah. just how do you do that how do you sort of go to the press and go well we uh, run out of battery mate we <laughs> run out of battery because our batteries were limited because we were behind a safety car and somebody got the sums wrong yeah and yeah. what really annoyed me the most is that the fia didn't come out and admit that that's what wound me up if they come out and said yeah we've made a mistake but they didn't it was just yep the team's got it wrong and it's like well no they didn't they didn't get it wrong you you got your sums wrong behind the safety car and it, that robbed decosta of a load more points actually um he's sort of turning it back around a bit this season um but yeah it's very i'm, I'm enjoying formula e this year like i said there's loads of really good drivers on that grid there's still it's still a few too many gimmicks that kind of ruin it a little bit you know like i think i heard fan boost had a really big say in what happened in the in the monaco race and people were a bit disappointed about that but yeah, if I, there's I'm one thing I would it. do away with tomorrow, it would be fan boost. I think that is an absolutely ridiculous rule. And I know it's only, you know, was it 20 brake horsepower for five seconds? It's still something that shouldn't exist. Yeah, I agree with that. So moving on to another big piece of news, I feel. This one's, uh, I actually want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Red Bull. Um, as we spoke about last year, uh, going to the season, um, Honda sold up their engine um, and they are currently recruiting and building their new engine facility right next to their Red Bull uh, Technology Center in Milton Keynes. Um, and they have pipped one of Mercedes' top um, engine engineers um, by the name of Hen, of Hen Ben Hodgkins, who's currently the head of mechanical engineering at Mercedes. Not only him, they have poached uh, a couple of others from Mercedes as well. And it's this is the start. This is the start of Red Bull going wholly independent. They're only the second team in Formula One to have both their um, sort of plants, so the actual chassis and aero and engine um, sort of plants in sort of one area. The other one is, of course, a Ferrari. 
Um, and yeah, you know, if you look onto the Red Bull website, if you go into careers, it's just engine technician, engine technician, engine technician. They are crewing up. So um, my question to you guys is, you know, how much of a loss is this to Mercedes? Um, and what are you expecting from this new project from Red Bull? You know, is this something you, because because now this is it, like now that they can't, you know, they can't ever really sell it off. You know, they have to fund it here on after, which is going to be, you know, pretty much another whatever they spend on Formula One right now is probably going to be the same amount again on top. Um, so, yeah. Sort of a twofold thing for Red Bull, because one, they can poach people that already know the ins and outs of one of the best engines or well, the best engine, the benchmark on the grid. And even if they don't get these people, there's the whole game of counter offering. Um, so it's all kind of lines up quite closely to what I do as a career. And that's what we do. And we, we move into a new market, you know, we'll look at our biggest competitor and that's the easiest way to, to grow is to take from them. And you usually have a blank checkbook to do it, to, to, to get that to work. So both kind of both ways, it works for Red Bull. The positive for Mercedes is change can be a good thing. And sometimes giving some of your more junior people a chance to step up is when amazing things can happen and new ideas can come to the front. So change isn't always a bad thing. But on the whole, you've got to feel like, you know, Red Bull, um, you, you, there's a lot of engineers there at Merck that have been there for a long time. It's the only other engine manufacturer for F1 in, in the country. It's the only time they're going to get to move. And think about, you know, your day job, what any, what any of you do. If someone came along and said, hey, I'll pay you four times as much to do it, it's going to take a lot to make you stay, no matter how happy you are with the job. And no matter if you're part of a winning team, you know, that, that Red Bull are holding the cards there and Merck are pulling out a lot of counter offers, but they'll get to a point where they think, no, that's enough. This also kind of skews the, to me, I'm thinking about the cost cap. What does that do there? Because suddenly you're going to have these engine engineers on both sides, on the engine side, massively taking a chunk out of that budget. And there's going to be less on the other side. So I'm interested to see what the impact is on more on the aero and chassis side now that teams are spending, you know, these two are spending so much on their engineers for the engine. And is that going to give an advantage to a Alpine or a Ferrari, for example? So I don't know whether it's more of a psychological thing as well. Obviously, that will make Red Bull feel, you know, that they have the upper hand if they're pulling these people. But that's not going to help Merck. You know, they'll put a brave face on it and Toto saying all the right things. But I imagine it's, it is a concern for them. I mean, there's a reason why they're poaching from Mercedes and not Ferrari or Renault. It's because they, like you say, it's twofold. They want to strengthen themselves as best they can and they want to weaken their strongest rival. I mean, I think the rumor coming out of Mercedes was that they were like offering to double the contracts of anyone being headhunted just on the spot. The rumor was is that they're getting very concerned about losing so many members of staff because obviously it's not just a case of, well, we'll just promote from inside our ranks and replace them with you know, rank and file. They're losing top, top engineers and you know, they don't grow on trees. Uh, it looks great for F1 because the one thing that F1 certainly needs is another engine manufacturer who could potentially supply to other teams. Uh, and that's a source of revenue potentially for Red Bull as a team. And will it encourage other manufacturers or potentially independents to come into the sport? It's unlikely, but it's still better than the chances were without them. So... Uh, I think it's I th it's what we expected. Red Bull weren't going to do this with a with some spring in their step and just hope that for, for the best. They were always going to go into the plan, and that plan was going to be spend the money and recruit the best drivers, the best talent you can. Uh, 
will that make any difference in 2022? We'll, we'll wait and see. So to my knowledge, the actual Honda handoff isn't until I think 2022. So, so Honda engineers will still be at Milton Keynes um, right up until sort of the end of 2022, even though the engine itself won't be branded as Honda and so forth and so on. So there is going to be that that sort of smooth transition. It's not like all of the Japanese Honda guys are just going to, that's it guys, peace out at the end of the season. And that's it, they're just going to leave, you know, um, Horner just to work it all out. So, you know, it's it seems, and, and um, to my understanding as well from, well, I did read up, they, they are, you know, offering, um, you know, full-time Red Bull contracts to the guys who are currently working at technically Honda um, if they want to then move, move over to RB. So, you know, it's, it's good that they're not just, you know, um, for that, that they are seeing the talent which those members um, have bought to to the team, you know, certainly um, over last year and this year. But to me, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it opens up just a whole new world of possibilities for F1 and motorsport as a whole. You know, Red Bull could decide to make engines for, you know, whoever now, you know, um, it's, it's not necessarily has to be strictly F1. But anyway, uh, moving on to Spain uh, this past weekend. Um, this one was actually probably one of the best Spain races in a while uh, because it was all about the strategy. It was all about, you know, what could Red Bull do? What can they do? What Mercedes were trying to make them do? Um, it was, I actually really enjoyed this. It's, it, it did have me at the edge of my seat at points. So and could Lewis catch Max, which he did. Um, and this is now 3-1 to Lewis. And what does this say for the championship? You know, I think Lewis has a 14-point lead, I think it is now. Yeah. Um, you know, is this the championship over? We are going to Monaco, which, you know, of course is, you know, has been dominated by Mercedes in the past. But last time we were there, you know, Max was pulling all the stops and trying to get past Lewis, you know, and I think all it takes is one slip up um, and that could be it. It could be, you know, two, three. So yeah, guys, thoughts on Spain. It's a track that I've always wanted to see dropped. The only reason it's good to see it there is because of the fans, because the, there's obviously a really big Spanish contingent with Carlos and uh, Fernando on the grid. So really want to have a Spanish race. I'm just not sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Catalonia isn't the trek. Um, but then what else have you got? Jerez, that's probably not going to be much more exciting either, to be fair. So it's really difficult to know what you do there. Um, in terms of the race, it was okay, wasn't it? It wasn't bad. Um, it's the best one since... Since Nico and Lewis decided to smash into yeah, each other. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, you know, okay, 2017, uh, I suppose Lewis and Vettel had a bit of a battle. But yeah, it's not a great track. 2013 was sort of eventful-ish um, just to see the Mercedes go backwards so far. But yeah, I thought it was a, a decent race. It was, you know, round two, Lewis v. Max, Red Bull v. Mercedes. And obviously we'll touch on that in a bit, so I'm not going to say any more about that. But on the whole, I was entertained. I was actually quite excited by the battle up the front. Well, the race came alive after the second pit stop. Before then, it did feel like we might be getting a bit of a procession that, you know, unless... Mercedes were going to do something or try something. It was going to be a, a nurse the tires or who can nurse the tires better. But then all of a sudden, you know, Hungary 2019 all over again, as they, as uh, yeah. Max's, Max's engineer stated. And guess what? Just like that race all over again, Red Bull failed to act. I've got a lot to say about that, but uh, I'll, we'll get there, I'm sure. 
it's if there's one thing which I feel has been apparent so far is Red Bull is usually operationally and strategically sound when they've not been at the, the front, when they've been chasing Mercedes over the last couple of years. They've done some amazing calls. But this year, suddenly, when they do have arguably the best, I still think is the him best car. I know Lewis has put it on pole. I know, you know, but I, I do feel that Red Bull just looks less of a handful. Max is on top of it. Um, they just seem to be calling it wrong. And it's just so weird to see. Yeah, it's it's usually where you'd see Red Bull is they're at their kind of operational excellence. Um, but they are they've been used to being the chaser, and it's it's easier to be bold. And you know, before everyone was always saying, "Oh, another master stroke from Red Bull," but you always thought, "Well, no, when you're chasing, you've got nothing to lose." As was with Mercedes in this race, they had nothing to lose, did they? The worst that would happen, Lewis would come second, and they gave it a go. What was interesting in that was that they actually called Lewis in as he was probably about to overtake okay. Max yeah. down the straight. Um, it looked like he was about to, but to have that, you know, that was the right call to come in because if he'd overtaken Max, then Max would have probably jumped him again in the pit stop to do the same thing. So, um, although actually Red Bull didn't have any mediums, so they would have struggled on that strategy. But again, it would it could have been different, and that faith that you know Lewis had in his team to kind of go right. I want I could overtake Max now, but I've been called in, and I know it's the right thing to do. Um, also, Red Bull not having a set of mediums, which is what Lewis, uh, sorry, what Mercedes did in the last race, isn't it? That they were also kind of stumped themselves with tires a bit. Now, I, I don't like the new tire allocation. I like that it's set for every team has the same, this whole like pick your tire allocation six races in advance was ridiculous, but I, I'd like to see them have a few more of the medium and the hard compounds, especially the mediums. They're useful race tires. It's a bit naff that the teams have to be so careful with those yet. They get like 50 sets of soft tires that they just burn through. Um, I suppose the main thing to start with is the Lewis V max continuation round four. Ding, ding. That first corner. I still think max is, uh, I mean, if Lewis hadn't have moved out of the way, it, it would have been a crash, and he had to do a very sharp jank as well to move out of the way. Like I think he, I think that was. I know Max is known for pushing the limits and so forth and so on, but there is going to be a point I feel this season where Max d d does smash into Lewis. Well, I think at, at, you know at the moment Lewis, sorry, Max has got Lewis's number a little bit. He yeah. knows he can push him, and he knows Lewis will get out of the way. Um, it'll. Because at the moment, it's in Lewis's interest to keep going, right? He doesn't want yeah. to get smashed out. I feel that if it gets later in the season and Lewis, say, has a big championship lead, if, if yeah. Max does something like that, Lewis will just stay. He won't turn out the way. He'll go, fine, hit me. I don't care. We'll wipe us out. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not bothered. And I think it'll be when it's for in Lewis's interest for them both to get wiped out, say, that weekend Red Bull have a quicker car and he knows it. He's probably not going to get out of the way as quickly. There is a there is a, some contact in this season, I feel, between Max and Lewis. I mean, Max is pushing the limits, isn't he? This was even harder than Imola. This was even harder, um, yeah. And it was pretty harsh. Still within the regs. And I thought at the time, you know, what a, and still now, I think, you know, what a great overtake. But Max does have to be a bit careful because, as you know, when he did that to Leclerc, Leclerc did it back. And he, uh, but, you know, Lewis does say, you know, I'm a clean driver. I don't do that. I always think of Albon, though, when he says that. <laughs> Every yeah. time I see that, I just think of Albon spinning out and losing his podiums and wins. But yeah. Um, twice. Twice. Literally I ruined know. his career. Like... <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but, you yeah, know, Mr. Clean. But um, I think 
their Max does have to be a bit careful. It's great seeing them go wheel to wheel, though. I'll oh, say yeah. that, and I want to see more of it. And I, I, I would love to see a flashpoint because that will change. The, at the moment, they're really nice. Like, yeah, we can battle each other, and there's, there's a lot of respect. It won't be long before that goes. Or if if Max had won that race, I'm not sure Lewis would have felt the same. But uh, yeah, I'm really interested, Keith. What was your take? Would you say that's a clean overtake, good overtake? What's your thoughts? I mean, I think that's good hard racing. I think if you start clamping down on that, you know, where does it end? And because um, nobody nobody weaved hard, nobody really forced somebody to take any evasive action. I mean, yeah, Lewis had to sort of back out of it, but. You know, I think both of them would, if if the roles were reversed, I think both of them would say, yeah, hard racing. And if if they're if both drivers are fine with it, I'm fine with it because they're the ones who are driving. Uh, and you didn't hear Toto or Christian getting really upset about either of them. Well, I didn't hear that, so no, I thought it was uh, fine. I yeah. think it's fine. I just think uh, no, I totally agree. It's fine. If that got penalised. Then what's yeah, the no, point? No, so, just, just, so, 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 yeah. yeah. So, no, I know so you I don't do agree with you. It is, it is hard racing, but I'm just feeling like it's, a, it's like another race. This is going to end up in them guys just yeah. smashing into each other sooner yeah. rather than later. And that's where I'm yeah. getting a bit like, come on. Guys. No, I agree. Like, it's, 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 each other. do it. Wind it out. Wind it out. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's, it's like, it's getting ready to go and it, and it is going to, that's the kind of thing that's going to be fireworks because, like, because there's such strong, like, like people and personalities and you know and i do think you know if this was young lewis and i i, I think they would have smashed into each other a hundred percent yeah but, you know, it is the you know typical old wise wolf versus you know the new kid and it's um it's just gonna be really interesting to see you know i i i will put money now down i've got i've got a five pound note here guys i will put down this five pound note to say that they will smash into each other at some point um and this season um another talking point i feel of this race was lewis's teammate vitari and potas not adhering to team orders um he was questioned earlier in the weekend i think thursday by the press <clears throat> um about you know is his seat at risk you know will he be swapped out mid-season he then politely said you know there's only one team in formula one which um swaps out his drivers mid-season which i thought was a, a nice swipe um, but then Toto as well, you know, Toto said, you know, everything's signed, I'm, you know, I, I won't do this. And, and I do believe him. I do believe Mercedes will hold on to him. But um, where do we think Vitari is at with the team? And do we feel that he will have a chance for a 2022 seat? I think that he didn't do himself any favours. And if you look at Red Bull, Perez knows he's the number two driver. They haven't mm. said it, but Perez knows the deal. He's got another shot at F1. You know, he's in F1. He's happy with that. And we'll come on to Perez later in his performance. But I just wanted to give that example of that. He's a pretty clear number two driver. Now, Bottas also is at Mercedes. But I feel by virtue of his performances, not the way that the team set him up. Uh, I, I, I truly don't believe that, you know, he has a any less preferential treatment. I mean, the focus is going to be mainly on Lewis, but I, I don't feel it's like a Ferrari day, Barrichello and Schumacher. I really don't. And you, you saw that in the Rosberg Lewis days, they both had equal machinery. They both went out at hammer, hammer and tongs. And that's why it didn't work. But with Bottas, it does work because he doesn't have the pace to trouble Lewis consistently. Um, and that's kind of how it works. But remember in Valtteri's head, he's not thinking I'm a number two driver. Like right now, if Merck are really serious about this championship, that role should already be defined. They should already be saying to Valtteri, like, you're, you're number two. 
you're, you're not number one. We're not, you know, they should already be like next race Monaco and they won't do this and it'd be horrible for us. But if you're really taking it a clinical view, if Valtteri is one and Lewis is two, they should be saying Valtteri pull over. If, if you're just going for the championship, yeah. because Merc- Red Bull are going to be that strong. They've done it before against Ferrari. I, by the way, I hope they don't do that at Monaco because I think it'd be a disgrace and Mercedes Ferrari, wouldn't do it. James. But Ferrari would do that, for example, if it was yeah. this stage yeah, in the yeah, season, the yeah. Barrichello Schumacher, they did it, you know, when Schumacher already had such a massive lead, but they wanted to close out the championship six rounds, eight rounds early, whatever it was. I'm digressing, but I think they need to define that role with Valtteri um, because what he did there, I mean, at the time, the prediction was Lewis would catch Max on the last lap. He didn't have a lap to waste stuck behind Valtteri. And I think Valtteri has to see the bigger picture. But we forget in his head, he's fighting for the championship. Still in his mind, he's like, I am fighting for this championship. He'll be thinking of how Rosberg beat Lewis. But I think he'll forget that Rosberg was much closer to Lewis, not just in qualifying, but in the race as well. Like there were races where Rosberg was way quicker and actually often in Spain, apart from 2016, Rosberg tend to have the pace in Spain uh, and other tracks would just be Rosberg tracks like Monaco. Um, There aren't really that many Bottas tracks apart from Sochi. Uh, and it used to be early season, but Lewis has ironed that out. He's been mad, mad, amazingly good this season. So, yeah, that's my two cents. I don't know if you guys agree, but that would be my view. If I was Merck, I'd already be calling the shots now going, we're going all the way to the end with Red Bull, your number two driver. But whether that'll make him drop his head and be, you know, fight back more, I don't know. Well, it's already, Toto came out, I think, today or yesterday and said that he imagines Lewis is going to sign on for another couple of years. Uh <laughs> So any hope that Valtteri had of being the number one by default because Lewis retires seems to be gone. So now it seems like he's in a straight fight with Russell for the second spot next year. Does that sound fair? Because I think that's probably the case. Agreed. So he's probably a bit upset that Toto didn't thoroughly back him after the contact. Because, you know, did Toto admonish George? Yes, he did. But he could have done it stronger. Uh, already looking a lot slower. And that's, you know, he really, really is just like, considering he's an equal machinery, he's miles away from Lewis this year. It's, it's probably as bad as it's ever been. In some, so, mm-hmm. it, so it, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, so now he has to decide am I going to play the Barrichello? And am I going to be the good teammate who does just enough to keep his spot? Because that's what kept Barrichello at Ferrari for so long, is knowing his role. If Valtteri doesn't know his role and decides, actually, I'm every bit the driver Lewis is, and I deserve every bit of equal treatment that Lewis gets, he'll find out very quickly that he's surplus to requirement. Because if he doesn't do what he's told, they'll just turf him out. Because they've got somebody who's younger, probably cheaper, probably better, waiting in the wings. The only thing to say then, so I totally agree with all of that, is then would you want Russell in the car if you're looking for a subservient number two driver? Or is he just going to be that bit too quick? Maybe I you tell think... Russell, look, you're the future. You need to back down. And I think he probably would, actually. His temperament's right. Because there any other option is Ocon. Say he had an amazing season, but Ocon's temperament isn't there. If he gets a whiff of a victory, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll do some damage, as we know. I think if you said to George Russell, after three years in a Williams, uh, we need you uh, in the second car, You'll get podiums, you'll get points, you'll get uh, to drive this car. But for the next couple of years, this is Lewis's show. I think he'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think he would. 
Because, yeah, because at the moment he's just nowhere. Because the thing is, like, it must be really difficult with him because all of his mates, I should say, which he grew up in sort of racing in the junior uh, categories with, you know, Lance, Max, you know, used Albon, Charles, they're all in, you know, mid or top teams. And he's in the worst team when he, you know, he was... I think he was F2 champion at one point, right? He was F2 champion. And if you talk to all those drivers, they look up and they say, who's the quickest? And they say, George. George, So exactly. um, he's so, uh, well-respected. And so, you know, um, I think, you know, for him just to be, you know, up there, you know, Lando is looking hot this season, you know, and I think, you know, George needs to be like, I need to get myself into a top team as soon as possible. Otherwise, these guys are going to start winning races, championships long before I ever will. Um and so that's, yeah, that is, it's just a really difficult situation for him. But I think if he just keeps his head down, if he can get some points this season, um, I think he's already proved himself. Um, and unfortunately for Vatari, if he keeps acting the way that he does, he, he, he will be out. If he's not listening to team orders, he will be out. Um, and so it's, you know, one of those things of, you know, slice your own nose to spite your face, right? It sounds horrible because he he does need to know his place, but at the same time, you know he's he's he got his own all passions. These years up own... against Lewis, and you've never beaten him once. He he he, he, he hasn't. Um, but I feel that also with Valtteri, he's um, you know he's got his own passions. He's got his own drive. It's yeah. his dream to be an F one champion, and it's very easy for us to say know your place because hey, would we know our place? Yeah, as a number two driver at Mercedes, yeah, of course. Because I can barely drive my, my uh, normal car, let alone a Formula One car. But I think for him, that maybe he just can't get over that. He's got this like drive. He is a very driven person. To, to obviously, to be where yeah, he is, and maybe he just can't accept it. But I do agree. You know, my for his my career, thing, is, my thing is 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 I I would accept that argument more if it was his first or second or third season at at that team. But it isn't, and he's you know he's only one you know. I think I think I saw a statistic like he's only won like what four or five races while at Merck. It's five, I think. Five. Yeah. All right. So compare that to how many Lewis has done in the time that Vitari has has basically been in that team, and that's my argument. It's like, look, man, like you've you've had your chance, right? You are getting paid a lot of money. You know, arguably one of the best trade paid drivers on the grid, um, and this is your employer. You know. Um, yeah, Jake's just doing some searching on Google, guys. Yeah, um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna find out. I think it's oh, I'm completely wrong. It says nine. Nine. What okay. So seven, eight. Yeah, because I missed out some seasons. So nine. Okay, nine. Okay, years. nine. So that's okay. So compare that to Lewis then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's my argument. Well, um, for me, the most egregious thing in that was 2018 when he won none. Because <laughs> yeah, that 18 but, was a shocker. Yeah, so he when he's got the absolute, clearly the class of the field car, he can win if something goes wrong for Lewis or he's on pole and he can just drive it lights out and Lewis can't, you know, he's in a train or whatever. So, he, yeah, he can win, but can he push the car beyond that? Like, I don't, he's looking much lower than, like, uh, Max. I don't think he can beat Max in a fair fight. No, no, he can't. No, he, he can't. And looking at his wins, actually, 19... Was a really good season from him. He had a, he had a solid season. That's one where he started. That was the whole two point oh Bottas, yeah, you know, first, Bottas. second, second, first. Everyone was like, "What's going on?" And he had a strong finish to the season. 
Um, but yeah, you're right. Right now, he couldn't. If, if Merck didn't have Lewis, unless they had, I honestly don't know who else. Maybe I know George Charles. wouldn't be ready. Yeah, Charles. Yeah, Charles Leclerc. It's probably the only other driver that can take it right now. And I know George will probably be able to eventually, maybe. But you know, Alonso and Vettel are way past their best now. You know, it's um, Lewis is really the only one that could take it to Max because, like you said, Bottas is nowhere. It's not like in the past we think, well, even if Lewis wasn't there, Bottas would have won the championship as he would have last year and the year before. Um, you know, this year you, you've got to have an A lister to go up against Max and Red Bull. So, speaking of nowhere, um, Sergio, uh, I had such high hopes for him, and I and it's and it's beginning to be that Red Bull second seat curse again. You know, he spun uh, in Q3, I think, or Q2. Um, and he just, he just, you know, yes, he he did manage to, to get the car on front row in Portimao, I think. Um, but he's struggling. He, he And this is Sergio, who seems to be one of the most experienced drivers on the grid. Um at what point do you feel that he really needs to be up there getting P2s, P3s, or even P4s? Um, at what point in the season that that has to start happening? Otherwise, big alarm bells and concerns. And honestly, what lost Max this race was the fact that he didn't have a number two car with him, you know, up there with him, you know, mm-hmm. to basically support him and help him out. And it's just the same Red Bull story again, where, you know, Red Bull just can't seem to get a number two driver, not equal to Max, but, you know, just someone who can be up there with him to fend off the mugs. I think you answered your own question there. It was last race. They needed him there. I think he did his job in the first round of stops because although the lovely AWS graphic said that Lewis (laughs) would have, with the slow stop, would have actually come out ahead, didn't take into account, yeah, it had come out of head of Verstappen into Perez, literally into Perez as he came out. So Perez had done his job there, and I don't think anyone picked up on that. Um, but that he could, Lewis, you know, he, yeah, and it's statistically, yeah, he had, he would have been ahead of Max, sure, but Perez was there to make it at least very uncomfortable and not really worth it. So in the first round of stops, he did his job, but it was that end, wasn't it? It was that second stop that Mert pulled. And that's that was a Gasly scenario. It was just Hungary 2019 again. And the whole point they brought Perez in is to not have that scenario. And I just feel like there's there's only a few answers to this question. It's either A, Red Bull can only focus and develop one car. They can't, well, focus, yeah, focus and develop one car. Because if if you've got a driver with a different differing style, you do have to work around them. B, has Max got such an unusual driving style that they've built the car around him that no one else can deal with it? I mean, maybe Danny Rick could. Maybe Rick has a similar style, which is why he was struggling a bit in McLaren, or still is. Let's say he still is a little bit. Or is it C, Max is just that good, that actually the Red Bull isn't that quick, but Max is just that good. There's three scenarios, and we'll never know, and I'm sure there's a mix of all of those there. I actually think it's probably a little bit of everything. You know, Red Bull have a bigger focus on Max. Max is that good, and... um, he probably maybe has a unique style. I don't know. I know there was an article about that. Max doesn't have a unique style and it's just, you know, the Red Bull is what it is, but we know that Chico isn't a great qualifier anyway. So I don't think this was ever going to be a great race for him. If Red Bull wanted someone that was going to be up there in fourth qualifying, they probably had to go with someone else, but they didn't have any drivers and driver options to do that. So, but he does need to pick it up. Otherwise already, you know, Horner and uh, Max are already having a dig at him already. That came out today in the, uh, 
in the press that you know Horner's saying he's got to pick up his game and Max saying well I'm always on my own anyway nothing's different doesn't look great for him does it I mean it you wonder how he would react if he did have someone pushing him mm. uh, yeah well we I... do know Ricardo we saw what happened there he didn't like it <laughs> so probably I don't think we're giving Ricciardo enough credit this week for keeping behind him for as long as he did as well. That was a great defensive drive from Ricciardo to keep Perez behind him for so long. And it totally compromised Perez's race, which therefore compromised Red Bull's strategy. But Ricciardo ain't there to let him pass willy-nilly. So fantastic Ricardo stuff was brilliant him. All weekend. He was fantastic this weekend. But old yeah, Ricciardo was in, back. And he needed it. He very much needed yeah, he it. And, uh, so yeah. if we're talking about who need good drives... What, what can sorry to just divert it because I found this one of the most interesting stories of the weekend. What's everyone's opinion on Yuki? Gee, where he really yeah, we made need some to enemies. Talk about that. Um, I'm gonna go first because I'm probably the biggest Yuki fanboy. Um, I mean, on the one hand, he's he is still literally a child, um, so I can understand you know where a lot of the anger and frustration and where the hot headness come from because you know we were all because he's what like 20, I think. Um, you know, and if you think about Max and how Max was, you know, in his early days, um, but on the other hand, you know, um, he does, and, and and I will say this: I think to begin with, I thought the swearing was sort of hilarious and funny, but I'm actually kind of getting a bit concerned whether he, if he actually does have like anger management issues. Um, and and I and I do genuinely mean that because uh, it's you don't hear any other driver, you know, just spitting the words which he says. Um, so you know, I think, I mean, I, I, I mean, on the whole, you know, he has apologised. You know, it was a very humble lesson for him because the engine went clonk as well. Um, but you know, I am officially tempering my Yuki hypeness until I do see something more from him. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's his first season, but you know, he can't be talking about the team like that under any circumstances. Like they pay you, mate. Like they are the reason you are here. So Yeah. I think you know, often my preseason predictions are nearly always, actually ninety-nine point five percent of the time they're wrong. You know, like I always say, our oh, Norris isn't gonna do anything. He's been phenomenal this season, bar Spain, and even then he was fine, you know, the McLaren went out of the races really. But the, the hype for Sonoda was just way too much. You know, two glory laps in testing and suddenly <laughs> the best thing that's ever happened. You know, look again, you look at the F2 results. Last year, no offence to anyone, was a pretty poor grid. It, there wasn't really any standouts in that grid last year. And, you know, the, the favourite before the season was Guan Yu Zhou. And I think that's all you kind of needed to know. I don't think he's a massive, you know, talent. He's a good driver, but I don't think he's F1 quality. Sonoda did show some promise and often having that peakiness is okay because that can turn into real speed. It's not just about winning and, you know, the, the, the whole GP2 season. You look at Max Verstappen in Formula 3.5, Ocon uh, came out on top of that season. Max came third, but that was like his first season in a proper racing car and you could just see that raw speed was there. Yuki does have a little bit about that, but he's got to temper it and he's got to chill out. And, you know, suddenly going out, I don't have the same car as Gasly. It's like, you need to look at yourself. Like, you know, and AlphaTauri, I put this in a little bit later, but Alpha, Alpha Tari had a poor weekend, I think. You know, everyone was touting them before testing. They're the third quickest car. And I think it's quite, quite quickly becoming apparent that they're 
you know, their place is at the tail six, end of the points. Yeah. It's the tail end of the points that, that you know, where, where you'd expect them to be. Um, Barcelona, there's no hiding place. The true pecking order really comes out. And I actually felt we finally got a race where you can kind of see the pecking order of the cars. Um, Keith, I'm going to let you obviously talk about Yuki, but then I think we should talk about the Mercedes versus Red Bull in terms of pace and strategy, because there's some interesting points we haven't touched there too. Well, I was just thinking, I can't remember a time when a driver has had his four races into his career and is so willing to throw his entire team under the bus and just sort of say, I'm not getting the same car as my teammate. It's too slow. We're not doing like He really didn't hold anything back. Even yeah. after he got out of the car and he was given, you know, he could have had a you know, drink of water and had a bit of a chat with his engineer. He still went to the press and just blurted all this stuff out. And it's like somebody needs to get in his ear and say, that's not how this works. And obviously someone did because Franz Tost doesn't put up with that. Uh, because you know, he's there to, to warm up those drivers and get them ready for the big show. Yeah, Hor- uh, Horner ain't putting up with that. No way, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, and this is a privileged position that he's in. I thought that he might have to have another season in F2, but he's been put straight into the car. He has shown enough talent that he deserves it, but he's not pushing Gasly you know strongly Gasly's doing brilliant you know, we know Gasly's a quality driver he's putting that Alpha Terry in places which this year it doesn't look like it belongs it doesn't look like a fast car sadly uh, but Yuki's not impressed the last three races and well you know he obviously didn't have a chance to do anything much this race but his quality was not good and yeah the swearing and the getting temperamental it's fun initially but, you know, fourth race in, all the swearing, all the histrionics, he needs to calm it down because he needs to realise this is a privileged position. And if he, you know, if he gets a reputation for being tough to work with, that's hard to rub off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And things is, uh, driving Formula One car, I understand there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress under it. But, you know, swearing is supposed to, to me, it's 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 the purest form of one trying to express themselves. Right. Um, and if he's just dropping them out like that, I'm like, bro, like you, you need to calm it down. Cause you're going to be in far more pressure and stress. Like if, if, if especially at Red Bull, like, Oh my God, like you're going to be smashing your head against the wall. If that's how you are now. Um, but you know, I mean, as I said, I am officially off the Yuki hype train. I think he has a lot to prove still. Um, you know, I think Alpha Tauri is still the best, team for him to grow but you know he's got a lot of work to be sitting into that other you know blue purple whatever color it is that the rb is um because he's so far from that he's he's so so far from from that that right now you know so so far um and that is the end goal you know you get put into alpha tauri so that one day you do end up in that car you know if i mean if i mean otherwise there's no point you might as well be in any of the other teams at that point. Like, you're literally... Keeps... Like... Sorry, dude. No, it's fine. fine. I'm done. No, it's so. I mean, he keeps going the way he's going. Vips or Lawson will be in that car next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, and, and th- the thing is, it should be easy for him because Red Bull don't really have anyone else to put in there. Vips and Lawson aren't, like, screaming out. Vips, Vips looks decent, but not... I've got to get him into F1. This is a golden opportunity for Sonoda just to calm down and really take it. But it feels like, you know... I know that he's still learning English. It's not like a first language. And maybe sometimes when you're trying to express yourself, it's just those words that are coming just, in. Just just on that though, but he always swears in English. 
Like he yeah, never says in Japanese. So he's, he's picked those words up and he's gone, right, I've got to run with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I think, uh, no, I think, I think he needs to, he needs to chill out. So the only kind of things I wanted to go over with you guys as well, I, I was interested to get your views on the Merck v. Red Bull debate now on pace, because mm. now we're starting to hear that, hear that we're starting to see some signals and signs of what these cars can do. We've had four races, you know, we've had Barcelona, which is the ultimate litmus test for a car. Um, from my point of view, what I'm seeing is I still feel that Red Bull has it on overall pace over one lap, but that Merck does seem to be a little bit kinder on its tyres. And that could really play dividends later in the year in some of the, once we get to hotter tracks like Hungara Ring, anywhere in the Asian season, you know, Kota, those sorts of tracks where it's going to be really, really scorching hot, that, that they could have an advantage there. But um, what are your guys' takes on the sort of general pace of the two cars? Now we've had these four races, we've had Barcelona, kind of how do you feel? As I called, watch Merck be able to bridge the gap very, very quickly. And they have. I feel they've definitely bridged the gap. They're not quite there on Red Bull. I do think Red Bull still has the pace over one lap. Um, I still do think over race distance, it does have some extra performance there as well. Um, but, you know, Red Bull need to start whacking some big parts on that car, I feel. And, and, and as we said at the beginning of this season in our podcast, I really do think it's going to come down to whoever says we're going to stop doing 2021 and move on to 2022 first. I think whichever team decides to blink first, they'll then have a much higher advantage throughout the rest of the season. And this is where these early points, I feel, are so, so, so crucial, more than at any other season this year. Because if Lewis can get those points, if Mercedes, if Mercedes can get those early points, then they can stop developing one or two um, races earlier, still have the pace all the way towards the end of the season. But then crucially on to 2022, Red Bull or Merck, whichever one, you know, did have to push to the end of the season, they're going to struggle. I think it, it really is the... the uh metaphorical cigarette paper between the two of them there mm. really isn't much to put between them uh i think at the beginning you know post testing i think people had that uh red bull is probably you know quarter of a second ahead at that at that point and you know after bahrain i think it was kind of fair to think that that was where they, it was too and i think you looked at bahrain and said okay uh red bull threw it away uh you know they, they gifted the win back uh, then you can look at, you know, Portimo and you can say, well, you know, uh, things went wrong. And certainly this weekend you say things look, went wrong. So I think you can probably point to Red Bull strategy decisions and say, OK, the reason why they didn't win isn't because they haven't got the fastest car. It's because they made some bad decisions. Well, part of having the fastest car is making the right decisions. And that's why I think overall Mercedes is just going to be the better package because they know how to win. They know how to win championships. They know how to do counter strategy and they know how to leave from the front. And sadly for Red Bull as well, it looks like they know how to, how to chase, which is something they haven't had to do an awful lot of apart from in 2018. I think as well that I think Merck will blink first. Like uh, if, if, if Merck had the car they had last year, they'd already stopped developing now. Spain, they're like, we're done now. That's, that's it. You know, we, we, we'll take what we have. They can't now, but I think Merck will see the bigger picture. And Red Bull will want this season more than anything. And I, I still think 
it'll be red. I, I still feel Red Bull will come out on top just because of that. I feel Merck are going to pull the plug much earlier. They'll be looking at the bigger picture. They want to be successful for the future. And there are Red Bull tracks coming up as well. If you think Red, there hasn't been a Red Bull track yet. It's all been Merck tracks so far. As soon as you get a quote unquote Merck, uh, Red Bull track, which you could argue Monaco has been over the years, though um, Merck looked like they're better in the slow corners this year. So who knows? But um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And also, if you look at the race, there was some interesting, you know, Red Bull's slow pit stop because Max didn't come in on time. Uh, sorry, Max came in early. That that could have cost him a position there. Finally, Perez did sort of bounce that one, or I think he did anyway. But then again, just sort of they got bamboozled by Lewis being able to make the early stop. They didn't have a set of mediums. So if they brought Max in straight away, it would have either been on a set of softs that would have died at the end and Lewis would have walked past him and half the field probably. Or nothing they were done as soon as they were done that they, they were they were undone and it feels like there is quite an advantage to be in the second car when you're that close because of the undercut is so powerful because these pirellis do not last so there, there could be that you know if we get some races where Merca leading maybe it's that kind of championship where you don't want to be you don't want to be out front or you've mm. got to blink first i don't know but i agree with uh, with uh keith that Merck have that overall package don't they 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 have that overall sort of operational excellence across and i've always said i think red bull's the strongest team operationally but maybe that was because they were chasing and they were just able to make these wild calls and make it work still definitely the best pit stops though aren't they because the slow stop they had in the race was because uh, like four came in seconds early. or something wasn't it it was four seconds and that was max just coming in early and they still to, managed it compared to alfa <laughs> romeo's 42 <laughs> seconds where they found out the tire wasn't inflated can we just talk about that i have never seen that in my life no, in any motorsport ever where they bought our tire and it isn't inflated like how the does that happen yeah no idea i've never seen it uh like, it's really what? odd to see wasn't it great spot like, by the great spot by the pit man though yeah yeah, yeah no, great yeah. yeah oh god imagine if they put that out and joe announced went oh my god like that would have been horrendous yeah awful. fair play and it takes a lot of nerve to to be able to say stop stop and it was under a safety car he didn't lose anything it was yeah. it was all it was yeah. all all right and he and he actually had a really good race giovanazzi again a really really uh, impressive race i think he was 14th which is really good for that car can um, i just can I ask you guys a yeah. couple of quickies just yes. not on the notes but i'm just gonna ask you a couple of quickies it came out this week that uh apparently lawrence stroll is very tough to work for uh that the it engineers were basically the engineers were told uh, last year, copy the Mercedes. It's our quickest route to being competitive. Just co copy the, you know, get your tracing paper out, get your biros out, and we'll just... And that this year they've struggled because they don't know how to develop that car. They wanted to yep. go for a sort of yep. ball, you know, high rake, you know, uh, slanting design, but they don't... This is not their design, essentially, but Lawrence is very keen on trying to shortcut his way to the top, and this is why they're suffering this season. So... No, he strikes I, me as somebody who would be difficult to work for. So, uh, me being in the high-end luxury clothing business so long, that's where uh, Lawrence Stroll made his money. He actually made it with uh, Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein, um, basically um, being a key um, investor into those companies. Um, and the way that those companies work in terms of the wider operations of you know clothing fashion, it's very much overproduce and sell cheaply. Um, compared to the likes of Prada and Gucci, which is sort of the more sort of you made to a certain spec and then you sell them to Chinese people. Um, and, that, and I have no, I have no surprise. It, like, it, 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 the, 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 the disappointing thing about him and the whole Aston Martin, I, I feel we need to make a podcast on just on Aston Martin this year. 
um, is I have a really horrible, and I mean in the gall of just the root of my stomach, that if Aston don't turn around in the next three to five years, he's going to pull the plug on all of it. Because that's the type of business person he is. Um, and um, unfortunately, with motorsport, with car production, with just the automobile industry as a whole, you can't take shortcuts, you know, unless you do an Elon Musk where you have a product which is so good and so unique to everything else out there. It's just, you have to do the grind. You have to, you know, continuously refine, continuously put in the effort. And for a long time, it is very small um, amounts of profit and 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 you just have to grind at it and i have no surprise i i am actually convinced that if seb isn't picking up the pace he'll get shown the door at the end of the season i am i, I again i will put money on that um well, that was going to I be the follow-up question which was if lawrence is as ruthless as they say he is how on borrowed time is seb because oh, i think 100 percent. you know he's a. Uh, you know, I, he had a lot of goodwill last year after he got uh, you know, kicked out of the Ferrari and everyone said, you know, how can you treat a four-time champion that way? And we all hoped he'd have his redemption story. But so far, he's looking worse than Lance and he has not put together one yeah. good weekend. Yeah. And, and as I said, like uh, last year, you know, this is the guy, this is the Michael Schumacher in those early Mercedes days. You know, this is the guy you're bringing not to win championships for you, but just to get everything set up for you, right? Um, to, to pick his brain, to get his expertise in. And I feel, you know, behind the scenes, he may be doing that, but on the track, he isn't. And um, it's hugely concerning. I mean, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see a world where Red Bull, at the end of the year, cancels Sergio's contract and then Aston Martin takes Sergio. <laughs> like, I really wouldn't be surprised. It says so much about the second Red Bull car, though, doesn't it? Because Sergio yeah. more than proved last year that his credentials. So I, I think I still, I'm really interested to see what Sergio could do in that car. I think it just says actually Gasly, I, I feel awful for the view I had on him that maybe he just wasn't ready and that car isn't all that to drive. Um, but going back to Aston Martin, I've been really disappointed with Seb. I really wanted this to be, you know, I always just, it doesn't matter what he do, does. I always have, you know, I have a soft spot for him, but there's just no way you can defend him this year. You know, Stroll, I actually, um, I've been impressed with Stroll again this season um, so far. And I, I, I think he's making Seb look very ordinary because we know that Stroll's what, solid at best, right? So Seb, I just don't think these cars suit him. I don't think he has that killer instinct anymore. Uh, I think those Ferraris in 17 and 18 were that good. And if Alonso had stayed there, probably would have got a couple more championships in them. But um, that's all ifs and buts. With Aston Martin, you know, copying a competitor's car, and I said this at the time earlier in that season, was they're not going to be able to develop it because it's not their car. It's all very well tracing and copying something, but you won't understand how to develop it because it's not your concept. And ironically, uh, uh, Aston Martin was Force India and whatever, Racing Point. They were championing the high-rake philosophy and actually had one of the highest rakes on the grid. They probably would have been in a good stead now if they were allowed to do what they wanted to do. I can't imagine it's good for Vettel because I think Lawrence Stroll has looked at the headline stats and gone a four times world champ, get him in, but has not actually looked at the, the kind of trend line 
and he won't be happy. He expects results. You know, he's paying seven insane amount of money probably to be in that car. A lot of money so about. you're right. Your your Perez prediction actually isn't far wrong. The only thing that would make me go is is that who else are Red Bull going to put in their car at the moment? I don't know who else they'd have. Yeah. Unless unless Russell doesn't get in the Merc, I don't think there's going to be anyone else for them they can put in there. Which that's a bit of a sensational left left field one. But then I mean, there's no, also you're right. Talk. I mean, I mean, unless we really you know start opening the you know. Rick and Morty alternative to dimensional portals and Seb goes to Red Bull in some weird wacky yeah. way the world collides right um, but you know you are right that I don't think there's a driver who won I mean Red Bull didn't want him they could have had yeah. him back and they, they didn't yeah. want him because at the end of the day maybe, Horner's yeah. very shrewd he's mm. very shrewd and he'd look at Seb and go no you're not right I mean maybe Pierre you know, but that, but I, but yeah. I think, but I think at that point it would be Red Bull going to Pierre rather than Pierre going to Red Bull, yeah. um, and he would have some very interesting clauses, you know, saying, "Look, I want everything." You know, I don't, I don't want to ever, you know, work out that I've had stuff kept from. Well, me. there was the uh, the long running rumor that Pierre would take over from uh, Esteban in Renault, but yeah. if you're running Renault right now you and you're looking Esteban. at Esteban and you're looking at Fernando and you're looking at how much each of them's earning. Who would you replace? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not been on, has it? Alonso's been really disappointing. Although but... I, I, I do feel he's... So So I will say this, and, and this is what Sky Sports said, is of all of the drivers which have swapped teams, all of them, apart from Science, have struggled, right? And even then, I think Science has struggled a bit. Yeah, um, he has. But... I, I feel that in terms of the, as you said, the the, the curve, right, the the sort of trend. I think science has been the quickest one to basically sort himself out, followed by Rick, followed by Alonso, and then followed by Seb. Um, and you know, again, you have to bear in mind Alonso's been out of the sport for two years. You know, he's got a jaw which isn't one hundred percent. You know, there's a lot of issues going there, and he's an old man as well. Um, <laughs> So you know, in terms of in terms of the ones which I think personally at the end of the season, I think Alonso, after this race especially, he was showing a lot more of his old self. And I just want to say that last sort of five laps of that end midfield was great. Just all of them just squabbling. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like it was, it was mental. So mad. It was so good. I think Lance went off. I think when he was yeah. trying to overtake, like yeah. it, was, it was great. You know, and 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 this is why you know F one point five as as people like mm. to call it. I think is is definitely where the racing happens. Um, it is amazing and uh, you know it's still early days it's only four races I, I am still disappointed disappointed with Alonso the only thing I will say is people have been disappointed with his quality performances and I'm like they've never been all that Alonso's <laughs> never been a quick qualifier but his race pace is so good that it doesn't matter um, so don't expect him to have that but I, I think Ocon's a bit re revitalized but I don't think it's Alonso's slipping really below that level I think it is Ocon's picked up his game because Last year, he was just all out of sorts. And I really expected a lot more from Ocon because before that, he was a fantastic driver. And it's good to see Ocon getting back to where he belongs. I'm really, really happy to see that. And that he's come back and he's picking it up because I was worried he'd just disappear. If he didn't pick it up, he wouldn't, at the end of this season, he'd be gone. Um, as for Gasly going to Red Bull, yeah, it could it could happen. Or going to, you know, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if he'd want to go back, but I don't know if he'll have any other options. And I'm sure if he's put the option to get... Of, of Hatari, if he, I, oh, I've just had a thought. If he does lose his Merksy, would I be? I don't know. I don't think he's a Christian Horner's kind of guy. I don't know. Would I be having? Oh no, that's a that's an interesting. I one. think I'll be, I'll be I, a stumped. There aren't that many top 
draw drivers that aren't tied in at the moment. There were a few. Ricardo and Sainz were the, the, the drivers that have been available for a while. Um, and they've been snapped up now. Uh, I think with Ricardo, I'm really pleased to see he was picking it up in Spain because I was starting to get a little bit worried about him. But it was early days and we know his class. He's been fantastic for seasons. So, I'm, you know, it's good to see him picking it up. But Keith, I feel like you've got some really good insight coming in. What have you got for us? Hang on, on what? What? what, did, what yeah, I feel like you were... Uh, no, I heard... Ha- I heard oh, a little... I was just I wondering, uh, Hulk, would Hulk be an option? Uh, I mean, potentially he did a good Sergio, job. Though? I just think he doesn't offer anything more than Sergio. He doesn't. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's the same level. He's a, a, a B-tier driver. He's great. He's really, really good. But he's not. But you, you, you could maybe have him back on the grid. But it just feels like there's, there's no obvious options now because the ones that were obvious uh, are taken one. and there's no one coming through. You don't look at Formula 2 and go that person needs to be in Formula One, as you've had in seasons past, you know, like when you saw Leclerc, you saw Russell and you saw Norris and you're like, yeah, they, they need to be in F1. I, I don't see anyone else like that at the moment. Even Mick last year, it wasn't convincing. I lot a little bit. I kind of see there's something there with him. I think it'd be interesting to see how he progresses though. He's already looking at Ferrari supercar Ferrari. Pro, hypercar program yeah. and he's, he's already kind of gone. No, I'm not getting to F1, which is a real, real shame, but there's not, it's, it's slim pickings at the front at the moment. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talk of Max going to Mercedes, but I'm not sure that would happen. If Lewis is going to stay there, then they won't go for him, I don't think. Well, do you think that there's ever going to be a, a scenario where a driver graduates from Formula E into Formula One again? Like, would Van Dorn be an option? Uh, no. Van Dorn's part of Merck, isn't he? He is, but I'm, I'm, sure, sure, if, I'm sure that if he was offered an F1 drive, he would drop mm. them like a bad habit. Mm. I don't know because there, there are a few drivers that, in my opinion, that are in Formula E now that should be in F1. Antonio Felix da Costa is one of them who's never given a proper shot at it, and I think he should. Jean Eric Verne, he was, I mean, I thought he was on par with Ricardo because it was between Ricardo and Verne that they chose. But I think Verne's a fantastic driver. Again, though, they're probably getting these drivers slightly later now, past their prime inverted commas. I don't like using that phrase. Um, but I don't know if you're ever going to get any hot talent that comes through F2 into Formula E and an into one. I, I don't know. There's a few IndyCar drivers that I think could give a Formula One a good run for its money as well. Drivers like Colton Herter and Pat O'Ward that I think have some raw pace that they could do really well. Well, I mean, Nick DeVries went, was F2 champion is now in Formula E, but mm. you know, it, there doesn't seem to be a pathway for him into F1 at the moment. No, it's a shame. Again, I think he could have been pretty good as well. But again, I think he's a like midfield driver. I don't, I don't think he's one he'd ever have in a front running team. But you never know. With some drivers, they don't shine in the junior formula and then they make it to F1 and it just works. And, and it, it is meant to be. So so on our little uh, sidetrack there, guys, um, <laughs> let's wrap this one up. So uh, next one is Monaco. What are our top three predictions? Keith, I'm going to start with you for this one. Uh, I think there's a very very high chance of contact in this race uh, at the front but I'm still I, I can't look past Hamverbot how can you look past it it's been three of the past four races the only reason it didn't is because George Russell took out Bottas and brought out a safety car if it's dry if all things run equal I can't see it being any different 
I know that this is a track which Max loves, but there's just something at the moment about Lewis and that team, and they're just getting everything right. You know, even when Lewis goes off, he still comes back and finishes second. So yeah, at the moment, I'm going with uh, I'm going with that. I know it's boring, but can't look past it. JQ? Um, I'm in a similar vein. So usually I'd say this is a Red Bull track. Max is going to be pumped up for it. Something tells me they're going to have the pace and they're going to be the quickest. But again, they're not going to win. Mercedes should be good in the slow speed corners as well. And this is a slow speed track. But saying that, it's not always translated to uh, Monaco pace. Red Bull tend to prefer it. And they have got more pace over a lap. So if you use your brain, you'd say it's Max, Lewis, someone else. But I just get the feeling like, like Keith, I agree with that. So I went for Lewis, Max and Leclerc because I think he is one of those drivers that is his home. He can pull out a lap like that. And if he starts in third, chances are he'll finish in third as well because it's Monaco. Um, so, yeah, so I'm Max, Lewis, Charles, pretty much for the same reasons, but I feel Max is just going to pip it. I feel that it's going to be... Because RB, Red Bull, they, they really have to have a win. I think if we go three races in a row with Merck and Lewis, and I think you know that's when uh, the alarm bells for the championship start to ring, and I don't want that. Um, but yeah, so me, Max, Lewis, Charles, um, thank you for joining us on this one, guys. Um, and join us next time for Monaco. Stay safe, have fun, and see you guys then. Take care. Thanks. Good night.